Hey friends, welcome to episode 110 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Doris Swift, and thank you so much for joining me today. I am so thankful for you, and I know that this show is going to really encourage someone today. Friend, I hope it's you. Have you ever felt discouraged and defeated? I think we can all raise our hands to that question. Well, my guest today is Billy Jouse, and we are talking about her book that was recently released, Distraction Detox, Release Emotional Barriers, Restructure Priorities, Realize God's Best. And it wasn't long ago that Billy went through a season where she was feeling discouraged and defeated. And she just was like, what is going on, Lord, with this? And through prayer, she worked through a process of detoxing from internal distractions and emotional barriers and emotional toxins. And in the book, she shares the process that the Lord led her through. And now it's helping others to get free from the toxins that can really cause us to take step backwards and not forward in our walk with Christ and in our calling. And we can dispel lies that we believe with God's truth. And I know what Billy has to share is going to encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Billy Jouse. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. I am excited to welcome my friend, Billy Jouse. You are going to love her so much. She's the author of Distraction Detox and Making Room Doing Less So God Can Do More. She encourages women to live with purpose while overcoming life's obstacles, which is just such the heart of fierce calling, and she wants them to find peace and purpose. She's also a speaker and the host of the Start Small, Believe Big podcast, so you need to check that out because you listen to podcasts. And Billy and her husband, Dave, a major league baseball coach, spend summers chasing baseball and off-season in Southwest Florida. Welcome to the show, Billy. It's so great to have you on. Doris, thank you so much for having me with you. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to spending more time chatting with you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We were having a nice chat before we started recording and we could go on forever or we could keep going and I could forget to hit record. (laughs) It's like I have to do this over again, which wouldn't be bad. And so, yeah, so I'm so excited to have you on. And for one thing, I do really love baseball. So I want to listen more about, and I think it's because I get the game. Like some games I just don't get, like as many times as people explain it, I'm like, okay, I don't get this, but baseball I do. And I remember growing up, it was a memory of mine that I had where I would choose to stay in the house, because I grew up in New Jersey, so I used to watch the Yankees games. I would rather yeah. watch Sparky Lyle pitch than go out in the pool. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. you know, so I really love that. So tell us about you, and I would love if you would share about your story and how you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect concerning all these things in your book and everything. 
So baseball related, we have another thing in common. I grew up a huge Yankee fan and that was, I grew up in North Carolina and back then there wasn't, you know, the closest team was Atlanta or New York and DC wasn't around at that time. It was still the Montreal Expos. And so Atlanta, we just thought we're a bunch of redneck wannabes. You know, we didn't understand (laughs) that players came from everywhere kind of thing. And so we were a bunch of Yankee fans where I grew up and we loved the Yankees. I loved baseball my whole life. I really did. Hung out at the ballpark watching friends play baseball when I was in middle school, high school, and met my husband who was a baseball coach. And we became really good friends even before we dated. And that took us into him. Well, we got engaged. We started dating, got engaged. He was a college baseball coach at the time. And he came and said, "Uh, I got an interview for a professional baseball job. And I'm like, Okay. Well, we were supposed to get married in May. So let's just say that when he got that professional baseball job, our wedding had to be changed because he wouldn't have been there in May. So (laughs) that started our crazy career. Um, And he never had a problem with me being a Yankee fan until he ended up a Red Sox coach, Mm. the Boston Red Sox. And he just said to me, you're not allowed to root for the Yankees in the wives section when we're playing them in the Red Sox wives section. Like, Gotcha. Gotcha. Clearly I would never do that. So anyway, I got caught on the big screen with some Yankee fans. And it didn't go over too well. I wasn't in the family section though. So that was quite the joke with my husband and I, but that's the Yankee fan, you know, baseball for us has for many years, we didn't start off as strong Christians. We both said we were Christians, but we weren't walking a life with Jesus. And we had a really hard time in our marriage. And I went to a counselor who said, you know, when's the one time in your life where you felt peace? And I said, when I was going to church, when I was in high school, going to church. And she said, you need to go back to church. Well, the funny part of that story is she was an atheist. Wow. And this was in a city that was a very strong atheist community. And she was very you know, pronounced in her admission of being an atheist. And many times that we talked and I would talk about, you know, how I prayed. And she said, well, you know, I don't believe in that. It was a very open conversation. She wasn't degrading or anything, Mm -hmm. but then she said to me, you need to go back to church because if that's where you felt true peace, that's what you need to do. And so an atheist led me back to Jesus, (laughs) which is really funny, but Worked on myself. David saw that there was change in me. He came to Jesus. Um, We started basing our marriage on Jesus. Our marriage became stronger and stronger. And we truly felt like at that point, God had called us into baseball as a mission field, not just a job. And so for many, many years now, we have been looking at baseball as our mission field where God brings us to glorify him and draw others closer to him. So the baseball thing where it's all consuming <laughs> because this is David's 36th professional baseball season. And we have raised three boys in this crazy lifestyle, you know, a lot of people want to say, oh, baseball, what an easy life. Everybody makes so much money and there's so much glitz and glamour. And I'll say coaches don't make what players make. So that's a myth, a complete myth. And I don't care how much money you make when you're spending the majority of your time away from your husband or not with him. It's hard. It's hard to be the one having to coordinate everything in your lives, raise the children, 
as a single parent, a lot of the time, because the guys are at the ballpark 12 hours a day, they're there 162 games a year, you know, and 81 of those are out of town. And, and I'm not whining at all. I love baseball. Mm -hmm. I love the life. I love where God has put us, but it wasn't the wish for my children. And now all three boys work in baseball. So my wishes did not reach God's ears or God <laughs> laughed at me again and mm-hmm. said, no, Billy, you're not getting what you want. I'm putting your boys where I want them because they all three are exactly where God needs them to be right now. And it is a beautiful thing to see your kids love their careers as much as your husband has. Yeah. So that is a beautiful thing. I love that they are all in baseball too. It's kind of like in your DNA. <laughs> Oh, we are all consumed. It is a consuming (laughs) lifestyle that we eat, drink, talk, live, everything baseball. Like we are consumed with it. And we've lived throughout baseball. We've lived in 15 different cities and towns in the U.S., Dominican Republic and Venezuela. And we've drug our kids to all those places. You know, people will say, well, how did your kids, did your kids fight with you about having to pack up and leave as soon as school was over to go where dad was? They didn't get to play baseball in their hometown or they didn't get to hang out with their friends. And I'm like, well, I didn't give them a choice. (laughs) I just never asked them. It was what we did because We truly felt like our family, our home was where we were all together. Mm -hmm. And that is what we did. And um, maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe my kids would have not gone into this crazy life. No, I'm joking. We love it. We all love it. (laughs) Sounds like they turned out pretty good. (laughs) Pretty well. I'll keep them. Yeah. I'll keep them. (laughs) That's That's so good. And I love the whole thing about the mission field, the playing field, you know, kind of it all connects that way and another thing too that like when you had emphasized that your counselor was an atheist which is so encouraging because God can use anyone to bring us back to him and the fact being that sometimes too I'll have to say in the past I've kind of been guilty of saying you know well you need to go to a faith-based counselor because there's a component missing but at the time that's what you needed and that counselor gave you wise counsel (laughs) yeah it's really funny because at that time in my life I was at probably the deepest darkest place I've ever been because I felt like my marriage was falling apart Mm -hmm. and I had Christian friends even a pastor's wife that I was friends with and she didn't invite me to church And so when the past, when the, uh, the counselor said, you need to go back to church, I said to that woman, oh, I'd love to come to your church. She goes, oh, we're in transition right now. It's not a good time to come. (laughs) And I was like, oh, for real? Like, okay. So I went to a different church Mm -hmm. and that was a whole nother experience. I ended up at that pastor's church that the wife I met and I love her. And she's been a great friend and mentor for many years. But at that time she was like, yeah, we're in transition. We're moving from one building to another. It's just not a good time to come wait until we get settled in and then come. And I think back on that a lot because there's so many times that, you know, I call them self-limiting beliefs that we believe if the situation isn't the way that it should be, or that the situation isn't where we should be stepping into, that we can restrict what God is desiring to use us for. Mm -hmm. So God did not restrict bringing me back to Jesus because he used an atheist to do it. But God restricted the blessing that that pastor's wife could have had on her life, that she was the one that said, 
come to the church, no matter how dirty it is in the sense of a mess, not mm-hmm. dirty, like gross, but you know, like boxes everywhere are not unpacked. And we're just trying to get everything together. And we don't have the full worship team or whatever it may be mm-hmm. that she wanted the perfect moment to be there so that I embraced it yeah. where God doesn't want the perfect moment. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want the perfect person. He wants us as we are. He wants us to step into that place of surrendering and submitting to him. And I think that taught me a huge lesson to never say no to God when he asked me to do something. And hey, I've been guilty of it, which is why I wrote this book, Distraction Detox, because it is about those emotional barriers that keep us Mm -hmm. from stepping into where God desires us to be. That is a good word right there, because we then sometimes put God in a box like, well, this isn't going to work for me right now, or this isn't the best for you. And it's like, well, let's see if that's what God thinks. <laughs> so I love that. I love that you were very, um, you know, open about how you lay that all out and just the way you said it. And we're going to talk about your book, Distraction Detox. We just really need this message. It's Distraction Detox, Release Emotional Barriers, Restructure Priorities, Realize God's Best. So Tell us how you began writing this. Like, when did this happen? And and tell us about the message in the book. Yeah. So my first book is Making Room, Doing Less So God Can Do More. So, of course, I got down pat how to simplify my schedule and how to turn off social media and do all those things because I was going to take that extra time to dig into God's word and study who God was and who he created, created me to be and what he wanted me to do. And then I found myself shutting down and not doing all those things, even though I had freed up that time and space in my life. And one of the things in the book in chapter two, I think it is in making room, it talked about the external and internal distractions. And I talked about the external more in that book, but the thing people wanted to talk about the most were the internal distractions. Mm. And so I started looking at it and I found myself a year or so after um, that book came out in a time of doubt and discouragement. Like I truly felt defeated. Defeated. Here I thought writing a book was what God asked me to do. And I was beating myself up and I became very negative and I started complaining a lot. And a really good friend's like, girl, what is wrong with you? You are complaining all the time. You're a negative Nelly. What is going on? That is not you because I got a pretty big personality. I love life. I live it to the fullest. I'm always on the go and doing things. And in that moment, that really sweet friend of mine said that I was like, wait a minute, you're right. Like I'm in a really deep place right now of doubt and discouragement. What is going on? So I knew it was in my thinking. And so of course, being the process oriented person I am, I took out a piece of paper and started writing down. I had a little notebook that I toted around with me and started writing down all those thoughts that were going on in my head. And when I looked back at this list, because I didn't sit down in one sitting and do it, I did it over a a period of time. Mm -hmm. And I'd go back and look at that list. And when I looked at the list, it broke my heart because I realized that I am my biggest bully. Mm -hmm. I bully myself more than anyone else. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't. I won't. I shouldn't. 
whatever it was, the fear of things, the fear of success in things, because if I succeed in writing, I'm going to have to write more. And if I succeed in podcasting, I'm going to have podcasts more. And then I got to edit and then I got to, you know, all the things that I can't do. And I looked at that list and I'm like, I've got to get rid of these because that's not who God says I am right? We know the words of who God says I am. You know, he tells me I'm accepted. He tells me I'm secure. He tells me I'm significant, but I'm not believing it. And why not? Because I'm allowing those negative thoughts to take control of my entire day. So after taking those thoughts captive, I started working through them. And very soon into this, I'm a pretty processed person, A plus B equals C, you know, (laughs) analytical. And I saw that I was going through a process with each one of these. And that is what turned into this book. And it fell very clearly into places of what the what God was doing in my life and going through this process I found such amazing freedom and peace mm-hmm. that I knew I couldn't keep it to myself mm-hmm. and so that's when I, I put a book proposal together as we have to do to get a book published and it fell very distinctly into this detox that we need to detox. We're so good at detoxing ourselves from sugar or flour. Well, it's very much the same. You got to clean the cabinets out, right? Yeah. To dig into where you need to fill up with the good stuff. And so I went through this process and into the book proposal and sent the book proposal in. And then my, my family had a terrible tragedy in the summer of 2020. I lost a sister and brother-in-law in a house fire. And looking at that time of how this habit I had created of taking a thought captive, replacing it with truth and living that out mm-hmm. became a habit that I relied on moment to moment during that tragedy. Mm-hmm. And so when they, when Ironstream said that they wanted this book, I said, I didn't know how much this book actually works, how much this process actually works to give that overwhelming freedom and peace until I actually had that tragedy in my life. I knew it worked on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize how much it worked. It's the worst point in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And then I had lived it out. And so that's how the book began. I, in the book, we, I take you through a detox process and it's determining the distractions. What are the internal distractions? I walk you through that. And then we go into evaluating those emotional toxins because they are poison. They are poison in your mind that will take you away from all the great things that God desires to do in and through you. And then we go and in that evaluation process too, I talk about having to feel the feels because these thoughts are real and the feelings that come with them are real. And then we move into that terminating, terminating the toxins where we take the deception, the lies and replace them with truth. And that is such a beautiful moment that comes into that restructuring our priorities of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, of really digging into that truth and, and not going back to those thoughts. Those thoughts are going to come up in your head. This book is not a one and done. You're healed. Move on. I pray it is. I pray the Lord does that for you. For me, he has not done that because the enemy will come in. People will come in and say things. There's always something that will jog a memory of a negative thought. And when you get into this habit of terminating it, 
Then I talk about an outline, a spiritual health plan that helps us outline what we're going to do to continue to realize God's best in our life and what is God's best. Mm -hmm. That's where we get into who he is and who he's created us to be. What are opportunities that we can step into? And that's when I talk about executing the plan. So I do the D-E-T-O-X and executing the plans in the end, because we as Christians can sit on our couch with a bag of potato chips, I call it being a potato chip Christian Mm -hmm. and eat one chip at a time saying, Jesus, do whatever you desire in and through my life, Lord. But until we get off that couch and start taking steps, Mm -hmm. we don't always realize what it is that God is drawing us to or pulling us to or pushing us to sometimes tripping me into because I won't go as quickly as he wants, or I'm going too quickly, you know, and So that's where it's executing that plan of taking one small step, making the difference in one life, making that one decision, taking that one action. And it's not that we may, I may never, ever change the entire world in one thing that could be changed, but I know that the Lord can use me to speak into the life of one person. And that happens all too often when those negative thoughts are gone. And I know in God's truth that I have the freedom to let go of that yoke of slavery, holding me back and step into where God desires me to be. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry about the tragedy that your family uh, went through. Thank you. That, yeah. you know. And it's, it's been worse since then because it's at the point it's like, okay, Lord, why all this grief? We hadn't lost someone in my family in forever. And my sister and brother-in-law died in uh, Ju- July, the end of July, 2020. My brother died in April of 2021. And my mother just died in April, 2022. And oh, my mother lived a long, beautiful life of, of just feistiness. So, <laughs> but the Lord has used this time to just draw closer to him and see him in every piece of the grief. So thank you. I appreciate it. You know, so often authors will say, you know, walking through these roads, sometimes you think you have a book that you're supposed to write, but God was not finished writing your story for that part of the book. And then living it out and you seeing how it works. And I love to how in the beginning you were saying that you had weeded out all the external distractions and it took doing that to realize that's not just all of it there. And uh, yeah, and, and the progression of the book is amazing because it is, it takes people through it. And then after each chapter, you give them a challenge, a detox challenge to kind of affirm what they've gone through and read and to work on that, was that something original to the book or did you add those later? Yeah, you know, it was very much, I'm, I think I'm a challenging person. My personality is just like, I don't want people sitting stagnant. Mm-hmm. I want to challenge you to do something. And now we don't have to do anything for our salvation with Jesus. Mm-hmm. However, when we are filled with his Holy Spirit and He is his love and mercy and forgiveness and all of the things, all of the gifts that he's giving us mm-hmm. over poor, you want to pour them out to others. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want people to lose out on the opportunity that they may be um, stifling God. Like I said before, you're never going to stop God, but 
I'd rather you realize the blessing God has for you in doing for him, acting on his word, than it being given to someone else because you didn't do it. So in the book, I knew that there was going to be some sort of questions. In my last book, I did like chapter questions for group discussion kind of thing. And this one was very much clear, very clear to me that this is a one-on-one thing with Jesus in your detox. Now you can go through the book with, I have actually a group in New York right now that's doing it. There's about 15 women doing the book together and they are, it's incredible how they began the detox challenge at the end of the chapters, just talking to themselves in Jesus. And as they're working through the book, now they're reaching out to each other and they're praying for each other and gathering together to support each other in what they're overcoming. They're texting each other, asking, how are you doing on this? How are you doing on that? I had this thought today and I replaced it with this scripture. And then they're, oh, this is great. You know, so the detox challenge didn't start off. I thought it was going to be the end of the book questions, but the Lord became very clear of, no, we're going to do this one-on-one with people and then grow it into being able to share that um, experience with others. So um, naturally I'm a challenging person. I ask a lot of questions to people. I will push people out of their comfort zones, not in a negative way, but what's God saying to you right now? So that became very clear. And I love the progression of it. And I, I really, and that was a God thing. I, I didn't have a plan in my head that this is the way it's going to go. Um, I knew there was going to be a detox challenge for each chapter at a certain point, but the progression of it and how it builds on it just became such a beautiful process Mm. that it allows you to not get stuck in one place. It pulls you into another step, moving away from those emotional toxins into realizing God's best. Mm. Yeah. That's great. I love how it moves people forward because sometimes we'll be like, okay, I want to do this, but I don't know how to do this. So with actionable steps and helps like that, it really is amazing. And I love how it's now being also used in community. So there's accountability because we're called to encourage each other and lift each other up. So that is amazing. And I really love this chapter title. It was chapter four, take off the grave clothes. Yeah. That got my attention. (laughs) I love that. It's You know, God, when... Jesus went to Lazarus' grave because it's based on the grave clothes that Lazarus walked out of the tomb with. Mm-hmm. And when he went there, he said to, La- you know, he showed up and, you know, Martha and Mary, they're, uh, they're magnificent. I love their relationship with Jesus because they call him out on things. They're like, dude, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And he's like, but if I had been here, you wouldn't have seen the miracle. You know, <laughs> it's like sisters almost like mm-hmm. they were so close to him in that way that, and that's the way I see my, my relationship with Jesus. I'm like, dude, really? Like, you're going to ask me to do this. I don't want to do this. And he'll laugh at me and be like, ah, no, I got you. You're going to do it. Um, so when he calls Lazarus out, so first Jesus says, move the stone away, right? Mm-hmm. So he's asking for community to come around. Mm-hmm. And then he tells Lazarus to come out and he goes, take off his grave clothes. So he didn't tell Lazarus, take off your grave clothes. He asked the community to help take them off. Mm-hmm. So we cannot always take off our own grave clothes without help. 
without the help of others, without the help of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to take off those gray clothes, those things that are binding us, those things that are holding us back. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't use this phrase in the book at all, but lately I've been using this phrase a lot of when Jesus told the disciples, if you go into that village and they do not allow you, or they don't welcome you, shake the dust off your sandals and move on. Mm -hmm. You need to take those grave clothes off to be able to move out and to, to be able to hear God, to trust God and to go where he's calling you. Because if we're bound in the things that we're bound in, one story I've been telling a lot during these interviews that I've been doing is about how one of the things that I've had to, that I've unearthed, and this was after writing the book, like I said, this book has not been a one and done for me. (laughs) I pray it is for you. It hasn't been for me. I keep going back to the habits and the practices. And I'd had someone, um, a, a baseball wife ask me about some mothering tips. And I'm like, in my head, I was thinking, I'm a terrible mother. Why would I give mothering tips? Now, I give mothering tips a lot. I, you know, I'm with these young girls. I've got these young kids. I've raised three boys through this crazy life. So a lot of them will ask, how'd you do this when dad was out of town? How'd you do that? And like, well, number one, we didn't have cell phones. You got a luckier life than I did. But in my mind, I was like, I'm not good. And I'm not a good mom. How am I going to help them? And And I'd end up mentoring them a little bit, but there was always something holding me back. And so when I started digging into it, really determining that D and detox, determining what that toxin was, that I'm not a good mom. And then I started evaluating it. Why am I not a good mom? A memory came up of when my oldest son was 14 and he came to me with a situation with some teenager girls and he wasn't involved in the situation, but in that situation, My mind didn't go to, he wanted to be a good Christian witness. My mind went to, you're going to sin like they're sinning and fear, the fear overwhelmed me. And I just started screaming at him through this fear and accusing him. And I, you know, all these things I swore I'd never say to my children. Right. And in that moment, it hit the Lord hit me so wide open that I fell to my knees, asked for forgiveness. We cried. He had tears in his eyes. I mean, it was a terrible situation, but we moved on from it. Mm -hmm. But when I was evaluating that toxin and not being a good mom, I kept stopping at the point of screaming him into a corner. And he was six foot. I'm five, eight and screaming at him till he had, he's six, four now, but at that time he was six foot at 14. He had tears in his eyes. So when people would say, you're a good mom, my memory is, I'm not a good mom. I yelled at my kid into a corner and he cried. Mm. I didn't remember. So as I evaluated that, it came up. No, Billy, you asked for forgiveness. You worked through it. You guys have a great relationship now. All three of my boys, before we started this interview, I'm like, let me put my phone on do not disturb because my boys call me about this time every day, you know, because We have a close relationship. They love being with their dad and me. They love doing family stuff, but I kept defining myself as a bad mom. And then I terminated it because one of the scriptures is um, Galatians 5, 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm them and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. Mm. What are those grave clothes you're carrying? What's that yoke of slavery that you're hauling around that's holding you back 
from realizing God's best in your life, of speaking into the life of someone else when God asks you to. You know, I'm not smart enough to talk about the Bible. That was a long, long term one for me before I started writing and I had to overcome that, you know, and now the Lord puts me in Ubers with Muslim men and I pray for them in the name of Jesus. Where did that come from? It came from Jesus in that freedom, giving up that yoke of slavery that I have no right or authority to pray for someone in the name of Jesus, especially a man who's a Muslim. Mm -hmm. And I do it to sit on a plane with an Orthodox Jew and pray for his child to be healed in the name of Jesus, because he asked me to, to, you know, to run into people that that you can tell are distraught and actually walking up to them in boldness and saying, can I pray for you and praying for them, listening to people's stories mm-hmm. and not feeling like I don't have the authority. I'm, you know, I, I have no value. I'm not smart enough mm-hmm. to let go of those grave clothes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need to do that in community. Like my friend did with me saying, you're complaining a lot Mm -hmm. and you're really negative. And that's not who God created you to be. Mm -hmm. Why are you this way? Yeah. We need those friends in our lives that will spot that from a mile away. (laughs) And be honest and loving and kind, but also bold and confident that they're going to, they're going to help you through it. And, and for us to have that spirit to receive that in the right way and uh you know and actually take action to wake us up with that but i i love how you were talking it was so powerful the way you were talking about how you pinpointed a point in time that was the lie that you just stopped at that one point and not beyond where actually it turned into a beautiful moment really and a powerful moment for both you and your son which may never have happened had you thought you did it the right way first. You know, like we don't do everything right the first time, but I think it's the way we recover from that through Jesus and his truth that makes a way bigger impact and and a way bigger lesson learned than had we just gone through kind of a complacent, mothering type of a a thing where, you know, we didn't have these moments, but I love that because you can apply that to anything. Like you were saying, anything in your life where you're thinking you're not equipped, you're not called, you're not bold enough. And that's not true at all. So I love that so much. Um, Yeah. We're qualified in Christ. When we believe in Christ, we're qualified by him. And that I think is a huge point. There was another one that I, that was really funny. I didn't, again, didn't come up until after I wrote the book, but, um, and it actually didn't come up until I was doing some interviews because it took me a really long time, even after writing a book to say I was an author. It was really hard for me to say that I was even a writer. And I was just like, what is wrong with, I have two books out now and I'm still not calling myself an author, not out of a pride thing, but out of a qualified, I am qualified to say I'm an author. I have two traditionally published books by our Einstein media. And you know, that's what I am. And so I started digging into it. I'm like, where in the world did this come from? Mm -hmm. And it took me back to a freshman in high school in an English class when I raised my hand to share about a book, what I thought the author was saying in the book. 
And the teacher in about 15 words told me I didn't know what I was talking about and it was best to stay quiet Mm. because I didn't know what the author was saying. Those 15-ish words that that teacher said to me, I defined myself as Mm -hmm. even when I was a published author. I had to, again, go to scripture and not be fearful that I wasn't good enough and that someone was going to read my book and say, you don't know what you're doing. You don't understand how to write a book. Mm -hmm. But that, that teacher's words, yes, they were powerful. And I'm not putting the blame or shame on her. I don't know what her day was like that day. I don't know. She wasn't a bad teacher, but that, that was bad in that moment. Mm-hmm. But I was 14, 15 years old, 14 years old. And I held on to that. I ain't 14 no more. I'm in my fifties. <laughs> I'm getting closer to 60 and 50, you know? And in that, I carried those grave clothes with me very tightly. Mm-hmm. I continued to step out where God was calling me, but I didn't feel qualified Mm -hmm. and not in a prideful way, but the Lord has given me the ability to write words, to glorify him in helping others be transformed by him. This isn't about me. If I didn't have to have my name on a book and didn't have to do all of the interviews and stuff, I wouldn't do it because I, I wanted, I pray all the time when I go and speak at events. Lord, take me out of your way. Let your words be heard because that's what I want. But I was also doing it in a deprecating way that I'm not qualified to do this. I can't do this, Jesus, but I can through him. And once I realized where those words came from and I felt the hurt of those words, those words didn't hurt me as much as I hurt myself all these years telling myself I wasn't qualified. I wasn't smart enough. I can't do this. I can't do that. When God was very clearly calling me to his best, which was writing for him to glorify him and honor him. And so in that, it was, it was so freeing and so, you know, working through these one at a time Mm -hmm. has just been such a place of peace. And then another one comes up. (laughs) I have to work through that one. You know what to do with it. (laughs) I know what to do with it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really going to encourage someone today. What you were just talking about. I think it's just such a powerful thing. It's so amazing how you could define the actual point that caused these thoughts and how we carry these things for years. And sometimes we don't even realize we're carrying them. We're just like discounting all of our calling and purpose based on one incident that happened and it just stuck with us instead of the truth. So I love that. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of prayer, Doris. I don't want it to be like, oh, I figured it out. I prayed about when I got earnest about pausing in that thought Mm -hmm. and praying about it, it took a little while. And I kept thinking back, well, I didn't read a book until I was in my thirties. I didn't read a book forever. Well, why didn't I read a book? And as I just chipped away at it and the Lord revealed it to me, because there's a lot of things the Lord will not reveal to us in full force at one time, Mm -hmm. because That's a lot. And I think he protects us in a way like that. But I was at that point where I was like, no, I really need to figure this out. And I prayed about it. I paused in that moment of Lord Jesus, just take this. 
I want to figure out why it is I I feel I'm not qualified because you're very clearly showing me that I am. Mm -hmm. So why is it? And you know, that's the thing is that fear will kill more dreams than failure ever will. Mm. And that fear that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I couldn't do it is what was killing a dream that God had. Cause I never dreamed to be a writer. I never dreamed to be an author. This was what God desired for me to do. And I kept shutting it down for a long time. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is so encouraging because we do do that to ourselves and, and miss the things that God wants to do in our lives or fight it at least for a time. And yeah, it reminds me too. Cause uh, when I talk about surrendering the things that threaten to steal our joy and you know I will say through to some of my counseling background if you don't know what it is to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it and so I'm so glad that you brought up that important part and component of this whole thing is to pray and allow the Lord to show you because even if you remember that detail it may not resonate you may not realize or connect the dots without him So thank you for sharing that. That's good. Yeah, and I was going to read a little part of your book. I think it's chapter 10, and I thought, this is good. I'm going to read this. (laughs) And it's on page 112 and 113, so when you all get the book, you can pull that out and read it. You quote here, you mentioned Mark 435, where it says, That day when evening came, he said to the disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And then you go on to say, He called them to go. They left the crowd and their stressful day behind. Jesus told them to get into the boat and go to the other side. Other boats went along with them. The disciples trusted the Lord's direction enough to go with him to a destination he determined, the other side. God promises to take us to the other side when he calls us to go with him. The disciples live daily in the presence of Jesus. Sometimes we can be jealous of that position. Most of us would love to be face-to-face with Jesus here on earth, following his direction each day. Then we step past our envy and realize we are in his presence every day. We've learned to overcome the emotional toxins and open up to God's presence through the detox. The promise he gives us to protect, guide, and lead us to the other side is rooted in his spirit in us. He invites us, according to our ability, to listen to the Holy Spirit. He has gifted us with spiritual gifts he can tap into at any time he calls us to go. I just, I like highlight it all over, you know, (laughs) so good. So good. I love that to the other side, to the other side. And that, you know, the disciples didn't know what that was going to entail. And they, you know, it ended up being a storm and the other boats were in the storm too. And they had Jesus in the boat with them. So you would assume they'd be like, God, we're good. Like Jesus fell asleep in the boat. He was chill. He's like, whatever, (laughs) you know, and here we think that, you know, life with Jesus is just going to be this very clear water, straight path. But when God calls us somewhere, it may be chaos in the midst of it, but he has called us to go there. And if we sit in the boat in the chaos, we're going to get seasick. It's not (laughs) going to be good. So to actually trust the Lord that wherever he's calling us, and sometimes we don't know, he said the other side. That destination may not be that far away, but it seems so far to us. 
that destination may seem really far and that scares us, Mm -hmm. but in that we have to trust God that he is going to take us to the other side, Mm. whatever that is. And whatever we have to go through, wherever we are, whenever we're there, he will take us to the other side. That's so good. Yeah. I love that. And, and the thing about what you said in the beginning, because, you know, we're sanctified day by day, we become more like Jesus. And then we picture we could like have this t-shirt or something where it's a, a picture of Jesus sleeping in the boat and it says, Jesus chilling, be like yeah. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, hey, we can get some of those made. And I like uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. So how about if you could share with us, because this has been such an amazing episode and I want the listeners to know how to connect with you and how to grab this book and all the amazing things that they can do to detox their life from distraction. Yeah. Um, the easiest way to find everything is at my website, Billy, B-I-L-L-I-E, Joust, J-A-U-S-S.com, BillyJoust.com. You can find all my social media links, my email, my podcast, the books, where to order them. You can order books wherever they're sold. If you have an independent bookstore near you, I always say, go in there and ask them to order a couple of copies so that you can have them um, and support them also. It's really fun for independent bookstores to have have someone come in and request books. Um, so yeah, that's everything. The podcast is on my website and all my social media links. I love chatting with people. So come on. All right. I love that. And was there anything that you maybe would want to add that you didn't get a chance to say yet? No, I think I just, my biggest passion is to help people overcome obstacles so they can feel that peace that the Lord so desires for you to have. He's given us this peace freely Mm. and we have to overcome these obstacles in our life to get there. Mm. And that's where my passion lies. That can, you know, that, that intersection of what I hope to be able to do in glorifying God and where it meets other people. And um, yeah, that's about it. Nice. Well, thank you. This has been so amazing and I hope to have you on again. Thank you so much. Anytime. Yeah. Just let me know. Sounds good. Well, this is this book is hitting a home run. Let me just say. <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> All right, friend. Well, thank you so much again. And God bless you and your ministry and your family. And we will talk soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope that really, really encouraged you. Because Billy shared so many great nuggets of wisdom and truth and there were so many great quotes in the show and I love where she said fear will kill more dreams than failure ever will isn't that so true love that wisdom and she also said I know that the Lord can use me to speak into the life of one person and friend the Lord can use you and the Lord can use me as well to speak into the life of one person And we're called to speak to the one person that God sends us to, that one divine appointment that is right in front of us. And so be encouraged by that. And I also love where Billy said, when God calls us somewhere, it may be chaos in the midst of it, but he has called us to go there. And so we can be encouraged by that, that when God sends us, we can go and know that he goes before us and he's with us through it all. So friend, I am so thankful that you stopped by today. 
And remember, if you love Fierce Calling, if it encourages you, would you please consider rating it and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts? Or I have a link also in the show notes to Podchaser because it helps others find the show. And I also have the link to Billy's website and more information that we talked about. So check that out, friend. And I hope you'll join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend. Have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.